Kingdom in. Hey, this is Shane coming at you again. Looking forward to another exciting episode. Uh, guys, really, again, I'm always excited to, to do these podcasts because if you've listened to the last few, I've had some some great co-hosts and some conversations and going to be no different today. And I'm really, uh, really looking forward to this. And uh, so with me today, my, my co-host today is Christopher Berrios. And if you listen to the first podcast that we did on Kingdom Men, Matt Vanderbilt, who is a co-host, mentioned your story and how we came to know each other at the First Assembly uh, Kingdom Men Gathering. So excited to have Christopher here. So Christopher, why don't you, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. Thanks. Thank you so much, Shane. Uh, I'm excited. I can't believe it's actually been almost two years. You believe that? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Um, this is amazing what God has been doing uh, in the kingdom and in the community. Um, as Shane stated, my name is Christopher Berrios. I um, am a native of Glassboro, New Jersey. I've been in North Carolina for be seven years coming up uh, this spring. I'm married uh, to my beautiful wife, Keisha. I uh, will celebrate seven years of marriage coming up in july seven. and uh we have 12 uh, children together we have a blended family of 12 children with seven grandchildren um and i'm just excited I'm, yeah. I'm i'm humbled and grateful to be able to share uh with the podcast today i think our conversation uh, mm -hmm. is going to be one that's edifying for the kingdom yeah. um for with that said i'm in, i'm in telecommunications for over 25 years by trade um that's my secular job. Uh, I like to say I'm in the light business. Yeah. Uh, it has a double meaning, both being as a, uh, an ambassador and a man of God, but also um, because I work in fiber optics and telecommunications. So. <laughs> and that, and that's good. That's nice. You should coin that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so when people, what do you do? I'm in the light business. In the light business. Okay. Well, how, how, did, how did you, book, how did, you know, why is men's ministry important to you? And like, how, how did you, how's your walk, man? I mean, how'd you come to faith? Well, I mean, men's ministry is extremely important to me because um, there was a time in life where I had uh, walked away from that faith. Mm. Um, you know, it's one thing to be in church in the building, but it's another thing to basically have a non-existent relationship. Yeah. Um, and with that said, I mean, I got saved when I was 12 years old. Uh, I, I was project of an outreach um, mm. um, from the Assemblies of God ministry in my hometown in New Jersey. And, you know, back then it was an escape from everything going on in my neighborhood of drugs, violence, um, and everything else that was happening. Um, you know, they would send a bus and, you know, we'd go to that church and, and, and any other church that would send a bus or a van to the neighborhood for a Bible study or a youth group I went. And, you know, it was something that the Lord used to snatch me out of some really, really bad situations. Um, with that said, you know, I was really on fire for God. and. Uh, but culturally, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll, I'll allude to a little bit more to as we talk, um, you know, I went to what you would call white churches, mm -hmm. you know, various denominations, but not a whole lot of people that look like me. Yeah. Um, unless we came on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that that's impressive that, that you just went wherever the bus, you just knew you had to be in a church. You, yeah. Wherever the bus went, you you were there. I mean, you figure in a lot of instances, those type of ministries, you know, they might be, be, be the only meal that someone gets that day other than school. Right. Okay. Um, it was a social place, you know, if you were like you like sports, maybe you can play some basketball, maybe you can meet some friends. Um, you know, it served it served me well. Yeah. Um, uh, but it also set me on a path that God, you know, had already ordained for me to move. Um, and with that said, when I was as an adult in Philadelphia, you know, I'd lost my way. Um, you know, I'd been in a series of just bad situations from relationships if I were many children out of wedlock. Mm 
Uh, I was off the reservation. Right. Uh, and it was a men's ministry at Antioch um, Christian Fellowship in West Philadelphia. Um, spearheaded by a pastor, Aaron. Oh, goodness. And, um, you know, they made me where I was. At the time, the ministry was called Transformer. Okay. And it was really instrumental in me getting back on track of my walk. Um, you know, I was challenged about things that were just completely out mm -hmm. of order in my life. Um, and because of that ministry and the men that served in that ministry, you know, I was even stable yeah. and level-headed enough to get married, although eventually relocated by the will of God to North Carolina. So that's why men's ministry is very, very yeah. important to me. It's very, very special because, you know, he used that ministry to go after the one that was me. Yeah. I can tell how much it meant to you by, by just you pausing, you you know, choking up sort of, you, you yeah. could tell that the emotions there is just really how much it means to you yeah. still to this day. Yeah. After all, all that happened to you. I mean, you can just, yeah, you know, I know, you know, you know, folks on the podcast can't can't see but i'm sitting across the table and i can just see your emotion yeah. and it's it's well, impressive it yeah. was it was only 10 years ago yeah 10 years you ago know, it was it was only 10 years ago i was in a totally different place yeah um but you know little by little god steered me back and 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 drew me out and and more importantly he used that ministry um <laughs> to get help me get my house in order and there you go there um you go. and i think now you know kingdom end is going to be you know is and is going to be a critical uh, vessel to help brothers in this community. Right. Help brothers, uh, not just here, but those that we're all connected to in other places. You know, the empowerment to be more like Jesus isn't just a mantra. It's a lifestyle. That's exactly right. Um, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a very uh, visible, uh, very tangible, mm -hmm. but more importantly, very impactful uh, movement that I'm just grateful to be a part of. Yeah. And um, I think Today's conversation is going to be very instrumental with um, understanding some of the things we need to attack in order to really emphasize what being more like Jesus looks like for real. Yeah, no, that's that's great to lead us right in. Um, and and again, I, I've I've known you for the two years, and it's been a blessing for the two years. I mean, it's just been fantastic. I mean, you know, worshiping side by side and doing all of the th things of the kingdom has been awesome for me. So guys, to you know, Chris has alluded to, we are going to talk about the, the topic of diversity and race and culture. And, you know, what does scripture say? We as kingdom men, we as kingdom people, not even just men, but women, children alike. You know, how are we supposed to tackle this, this division that we have in our culture? And, and you know, we're, we're not going to spend so much time on looking back. We're, we're not going to rehash that. We, what we want to do and the purpose of kingdom men and and this podcast is to build the building on the cornerstone and have scripture at our foundation. Um, so we just gonna have some conversation. What what does scripture say? What does scripture say about living a life of diversity and loving our brothers and our sisters as as one? I mean that that's really kind of kind of what we are. I mean, and Chris, I don't know if if, if you want to lead us off. I mean, with just some of your experiences and. And you walk, I mean, you New Jersey to Philadelphia and, and, and things like that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, like I previously said, I got saved um, 12 years old, sixth grade, um, all through middle school and going through high school. I went to a variety of different Bible studies, churches. Uh, one of the Bible studies uh, that I consistently went to pretty much from seventh grade all the way to 12th grade was an uh, organization known then as High School Born Againers. Uh, we used to meet Monday nights and other nights in, in the region of New Jersey where I grew up. 
And their emphasis was missions. And as a high school student, your mission field, of course, would be your school. Okay. Um, so, you know, back to that's where really when I say that as a professional in the, in the, in the, in the, working, in the working world, in telecommunications industry, I say I'm in the light business. Well, it's because as a worker in the telecommunications industry, I may not be able to be overt in my faith, but I can demonstrate what it is to be the light. So as a young person, uh, I was exposed to a variety of different churches. Um, different denominations and, of course, different cultures. But realistically, I didn't go to what you would consider a black church, even though there was one right outside my door, right across the street from the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to college. Uh, but the crazy thing about it is, is my first real interaction of race as it pertains to Christians actually happened when I went to, away to college. I went to uh, Geneva College, which is a Reformed Presbyterian school mm-hmm. um, in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, it's just north of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a school that predates Civil War. And in Pennsylvania, you would think that you're on a campus, people are on fire for God. It was my first experience of being in a totally Christian environment. Mm-hmm. The irony of it is, is that I ran into probably one of my first and in, in, impactful issues with racism. Because I come home uh, after actually, not coincidentally, watching an African drum ensemble that was on campus. Uh, this is my first semester of college, um, six hours away from home. Um, I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. And I come back to my apartment that I've shared with five other guys. One, my immediate roommate is uh, PK. He was from, uh, he was in the marching band. He was from New Jersey as well. Literally, he was a couple towns away. But the other four guys were all football players, and they were all from suburbs of Pittsburgh mm. that are notorious for being racist. Mm, okay. We'll dog hear that for a second. Yeah. So I come home, and I'm, you know, just feeling a little proud about my heritage, I guess. And I walk in, and on the wall, mind you, this is November. School semester is almost over. But for whatever reason, my roommates felt compelled to hang the stars and bars up on the wall. Hmm. along with all the Pittsburgh stuff and this, that, and the other. And I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, really? The Confederate flag? We're in Pennsylvania. We're on a Christian college campus where you could get fined for cussing or smoking. And the resident director, who happened to also be a math professor, was from Selma, Alabama, of all places. Oh, okay. A black man from Selma, Alabama, who also not coincidentally had an incident with Pittsburgh police mm-hmm. not too long prior for me coming to that school. So, of course, I didn't give them the response they expected. Mm-hmm. Maybe they thought I was going to flip out and do something stupid and get thrown out of school. But why would I get thrown out of school when, number one, I'm on my own? Yeah. There is no home yeah. to go back to in New Jersey. Right. I'm on scholarship. I'm, I'm an athlete. I ran cross country. Um, and I had to take care of myself. I was working a full-time job and going to school. And so I reported to the authorities. I reported to my resident director. I reported to the chaplain, who also was black. And nothing happened. Mm. I was just told, hey, you know what? Maybe you should consider transferring to a different room. Interesting. And I did that. Yeah. I went home for, for, the, for, the, uh, winter, for the winter break. And when I came back, I moved into mm-hmm. a different dorm. Um, I had a white roommate. His name was Jeremiah Johnson. I love this brother. He's a police officer in Connecticut right now. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Um, but he's nice. originally from Boulder, Colorado. He grew up a big bus fan. Oh, of course. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, and we had some really interesting conversations around what happened. And, you know, he shared his perspective with me and, you know, and I could really respect that and I kept it moving. But yeah. weird is that incident really marked and it was a pivot point in my college experience. I didn't do too well after that. In fact, yeah. I actually flunked out. Oh, okay. And I, I can look back now, obviously 25, 26, 27 years later and try to play the victim card, but I really can't. Um, I, I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit inside me allowed me to not react right. in a yeah. way that would have gotten me thrown out of school or worse. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say that I was definitely disappointed in how that whole situation was handled. Um, but then not coincidentally, it also drew me closer to my people. Right. Um, I started going to black churches. Um, I started going to Christian Church and God in Christ churches, mm -hmm. you know, people I had met in the community. Because at the community I had on campus eventually didn't have one. And that definitely shaped my walk. Um, but the weird part about it is from a diversity standpoint, me just as a human being, I'm black, I'm Puerto Rican. My, my mother's father is Mr. Barrios. He's Puerto Rican. So my ancestry literally broke, breaks down um, two-thirds African and a third European from my, from my mother's father. So realistically, I'm a little bit of a mix. Right. Okay. You know, my wife yeah. likes to crack yeah. jokes about that. But the thing about it is, is. You got a little bit of all the goodness in there. Yeah. Uh, that's who I am in, in my natural body. Yeah. That's who I am in my earth suit. Right. Who I am in the kingdom is a whole nother animal. Well, the word, the scripture, and it's really one simple scripture is uh, Galatians 3 um, and 28. A lot of times gets, this gets taken out of context, but. At the end of the day, the word is the word. And the word says, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all in one in Christ Jesus. Amen. That one simple scripture honestly helped me um, deal with any type of seeds of racism, animus, or mm -hmm. any other type of problems I've had with other people in other cultures. I've been to Spanish churches. I've been to um, Eastern European churches. Um, and of course, I've been to black churches. And mm -hmm. What's considered a black church is honestly an unfair characterization because, once again, you look at the makeup of the body in a particular community, but then you also look at the denominational differences and the cultural differences. And there's a huge difference between Baptists and Pentecostals, a huge difference between Methodists and uh, AMEs. Well, Methodists and AMEs are seemingly the same, but they're different. Mm -hmm. Um in the kingdom, we have all these varying ways and means and degrees to divide and separate and move the sheep from one herd to the next, when the reality of it is we're all sheep. We're all sheep and, and, and under the same shepherd. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, as things have been polarized. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know what? The, the one thing when you were talking, you know, the one thing that really sh struck me when you were talking about your college experience is you didn't react. Yeah. I, I think in today's in today's culture and, and you know in an upcoming podcast we talk about um, the growing up today's world with some of the younger generation it, it, it's that immediate reaction of throwing something out on Facebook throwing something out on YouTube Instagram oh, yeah. whatever and it's that quick reaction of something happened boom it must be racism boom and it was because of this cause of that as opposed to let me just absorb it let me let me see. We not give them the acknowledgement or the pleasure because again, it, it would be naive of us to believe that there's not evil in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> and there are, there are some racist individuals and, and there always, unfortunately will be. I, I, 
until the day Jesus comes back. Yeah. You know, I, I, I we, we're kind of a little, you know, in our first podcast, I, I say that, you know, one of my ultimate visions, and again, people have called me naive is I'd love Gaston County to, to just stand arm in arm. Doesn't matter race, doesn't matter culture, stand on the steps mm-hmm. of the building. And, and I equated it back to, you know, whenever 9-11, and again, I always have to clarify, say, I'm not comparing this to the horrific events of 9-11, but for that period of time, we were, we were all Americans. We were one. Yeah. And, and that, that's where I think we ultimately need to get back to. And I think we can with some yeah. hard discussions. So, I mean, I think the thing about um, oneness and unity is um, common interest, right? Yeah. And in the kingdom of God, we should all have one common interest, and that mm-hmm. is to seek um, and save that those that are lost. Right. That's, that's right. The crazy part about it is, is that um, that self-reflection that you would need to have to realize that there are people that are lost right in front of you. Um, there are people that are lost that look like you. Yeah. Um, there are people who are lost who don't look like you, and you have to be willing, like in the Bible, to not do what the two others did on the Jericho Road, but to do what the Samaritan did, to see the humanity in, in a brother who is in distress. But not just see humanity and brothers and sisters that are distressed, but see the humanity and the brothers and sisters that we deal with every day. Right. Yeah. And and, um, and I, I I love the verse you read. And and you know, I right from the very beginning, I mean, in, in God's word, it says in Genesis one twenty seven, so God created man in his own image. Yeah. Created man. Didn't create the white man, the black man, the brown didn't, didn't create specific created man. <laughs> All in one. Yeah. So I mean it it leads off scripture right there and um, I, I, I have two favorite pastors that I, I always listen to. One past, Billy Graham. One present is Tony Evans. I love Tony Evans. And, and if, one, if, if you haven't read or if you haven't heard any of his messages on race and culture, I highly recommend it. He, yeah. He's fantastic. He, he, I like Tony because he cuts to the chase. Yeah. He, he says, I'm, I'm here to share the word. I'm here not to coddle and comfort you. I'm here to share the gospel Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and he calls out all the various churches and, and he, you know, and, and we've even heard ourselves and, and I don't know if you've heard this, but Sunday is the most segregated day. Exactly. Sunday is the most segregated. Exactly. Hour in the right. Yeah. Here's something, here's something to ponder, uh, Shane. So for a while, Tony Evans is uh, part of his outreach ministry in the secular realm was he was a chaplain. Dallas Cowboy. Dallas Cowboy. And the son is now, right? Yeah. Yep. And what's wild is as of late to take race, um, and I won't I won't go actually I'll go out there and call it race baiting. So somehow mysteriously a photo of Little Rock Central pops up. And in that crowd of people that are jeering and attacking and, and cussing and plussing and and totally just acting a fool um for the Little Rock down here integrated. Uh, back in 1957, uh, with the help of the National Guard and everything, was a 14-year-old freshman named Jerry Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that entity, that organization, the connections, the people, right? So you have an amazing, profound minister of the gospel who's been affiliated with that organization, and you have the owner who's very outspoken. Um, And when the revelation of the photo was brought to light and then there was a call for accountability 
Um, you know, all he could say was, oh, I was curious. I'm trying to figure out what all the hubbub is all about. And although a lot of people uh, would want, they, really, they wanted this man's head on a platter. Oh, oh because they figured, yeah. And, and the reality of it yeah. is, is that um, when anytime anything has happened in that space, you know, we would love to be able to make those complicit complicit. Um, whether they're a part of the situation, whether they were being a bystander, whether they watched mm -hmm. someone do something horrible and didn't say anything, didn't step up. The reality mm -hmm. of it is we all have to take an account. Mm -hmm. We have to take an account for how we treat others in the world. But in the kingdom, yeah. we have an account that we have to take yeah. on how we treat each other. Right. Yeah. And the accountability aspect of it, quite frankly, it's a training that people um, love to talk about, but it's a training that I'm, and I'm thankful that us here at Kingdom Men is one that we're driving and not being driven. Uh, the key here is understanding that um, the enemy seeks to set us as weak. Mm -hmm. He seeks to put in dividers. He seeks to rip us at the core based on the one thing that we can't change about ourselves. How we look, our outward appearance. The one thing we can't change, yeah. the enemy uses that as a tactic to That's keep a good us word. distracted yep. from the mission. Um, I call it weapons of mass distraction. Um, weapons some of people, mass some distraction. People... You're coming up with all kind of t-shirt material today, man. You're on it. <laughs> um, and, and I tell you, the thing about it is this. Um, in the kingdom, you know, when it's all said and done, and we're out of our earth seats, and we're in our heavenly bodies, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. What does matter is how not only do we treat our temple, how we treat the other people that we are called to love. Mm -hmm. God gives us very explicit and, and, and explicit directives on how to love people. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I mean, in two, yeah. I mean, different experiences. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, scripture and how it talked about reaching and helping others that don't look like you. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're even in scripture, we have a couple of different stories, you know, of, Simon from Cyrene helping helping Jesus carry the cross. Yeah. You know, that's detailed out. And then we have Philip talking to the Ethiopian uh, royalty, trying to help him, helping yeah. him uh, talk about Isaiah. Yeah. He's like, I'm reading it, but I don't understand it because nobody's helping me understand it. Yeah. I love so, that. And the reason why is, is that one, one, it shows that the word of God was already in Africa, that Christianity and black people existed long before the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. In fact, there were believers who were put on those boats. Um, there's documented evidence of it at this point, although um, it's safe to say that enlightenment, um, or dare I say, wokeness. Oh, there you go. You dropped that word? Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so It's a cuss word to some folk, but last time I checked, um, the Great Awakening was an amazing revival. It was a revival that actually helped fracture the system known as slavery in this country. It helped it helped England um progress out of believing because they are they were the, they were British mm -hmm. and, and and the monarchy and everything that God quote unquote back the king and doing right. um justified how they treated other people. So what are a couple what are a couple different ways, you know, to, as we come down to the end here, what what are some of the ways you think that, that we can mm -hmm. cross that divide? We can yeah. if if we do a self-examination and we do feel 
Okay. It, it, it's a hard understanding. You got to be honest with yourself is that yeah. oh, there is maybe is a little prejudice in my heart. I'll tell you what. Um, here's the perspective. I call it bloodstained glasses. Mm-hmm. We look at our brothers and our sisters the way Jesus looks at us. Mm. We're all sinners. Yes, we're Amen. not yeah. perfect, and we are saved by grace. And we look at my brother and my sister through bloodstained glasses. Mm-hmm. We see them the way Jesus sees us. Yeah. But that, at that point, there's no more room for the hate. There's no more room for the division. There's no more room for the racism because you realize that grace and the blood, Jesus' shed blood covers all of that. All of us. He died for all of our sins. All of us. Nothing, yeah. All yeah. of us. And when we realize that he died for yeah. our sin of racism, yeah. we then now have a commitment. We have to make a commitment to not continue to crucify him based on how we see them but yeah. we look at them the way he looks at us that's 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 awesome right there i mean i you were going right down and i have a quote down from billy graham that i absolutely love and it was exactly where you were going billy graham says the closer the people of all races get to christ and his cross the closer they will get to one another absolutely it, it, level at the cross. It, isn't that right? I mean, once the closer we get to christ the closer we get to the cross we start we stop looking at all these outwardly earthly differences and we have those bloodstained glasses you talked about. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, well, Chris, I do appreciate your time, man. And and again, I love you as a brother and glad we God crossed our paths. And you know, we could we can continue this conversation for oh, yeah. hours and hours. And who knows? Maybe we will. We 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 will because when we get we get something as as a great topic like this, because again, we we could sit here and we can talk about this and that in the past and how we got all this stuff, or we can talk about what scripture says. And how do we move forward, move forward. And, and, and unite as one? And we can. I, I, I yeah. honestly think we can. And again, that's one of the, if you go into the kingdom in Gaston.com, you'll see, you'll see, yeah. you'll, you'll see, you'll see the colors. I mean, you'll see all the cultures. You'll see all of us. Yeah. That's, what we, that's what we're there for. So uh, guys, this, this, this uh, kingdom challenge uh, this, this week is, uh, is a little different, but it is something that is truly Something I believe every one of us should do is, you know, research and study portions of Scripture that discuss unity and love. And and I think, like you mentioned, Chris, the more we immerse ourselves in love and unity and Scripture, that hate and the devil messages will just pop right off of us. Yeah, some of those will seep in our brains, but then we replace that with love and unity and kindness, and truly analyze ourselves. I think, like I mentioned before, I think we have to take a step back ourselves, our families, our surroundings. And, and as Christian brothers and, and as Christians together, we are to call out one another. Yeah. If we're with someone and we do see the conversation going down a, a racist or culturally div- div- division path, yeah. we are to stop it. So, guys, that's the challenge this week. Do your own research. I, I say this all the time. Do not rely on the media, because depending on which outlet you look at, that's the message and the slant you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, do your own research. Find someone you can trust in the faith. Uh, it all comes back to the foundation of, of, of Christ and of Scripture. So, Chris, I'll let you have the last word. Anything you want to say to our, our audience and leading us out? Well, if anything, um, I will say that. And I, um, I know we were looking to get this um, ready for Martin Luther King's birthday. That's right. Um, reality of it is is we 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 there's two marches on Washington we can either identify with we can identify the march on Washington in, in the 60s or we can identify with the march on Washington from 2 years ago 
reality of it is, is that one thing is not like the other, right? As believers, we, we are charged with doing fruit inspection. What things that are you doing and how you're treating other people in your life and in your circle and even outside your circle that are like Jesus mm-hmm. versus things that are not like Jesus? That's a good way of putting it. Yep. That's the best way to look at it. What is, what's not like Jesus. So, all right. Again, thank you, Chris. Guys, that wraps up this episode. Again, keep listening, keep sharing, keep providing your feedback, and we will certainly keep doing these podcasts. Thank you, man. Amen.